Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Thank you for joining us again this week on the program. And uh, I have a very special guest on with me. I haven't had a guest on for uh, probably now uh, several months. But uh, I want you to get used to seeing this guy because he is my oldest son. And uh, we believe in being generational around here, and we believe in, uh, you know, my dad was a pastor, and uh, I'm a pastor, and now my son, I'm not a pastor, I'm traveling ministry, I'm sorry. Uh, my son is a pastor. Uh, my son Jeremy is on the set with me today. He pastors a church in Winchester, Virginia, called Word That Frees. They meet on Monday night, and uh, there will be information on the screen as to where you can contact them, or go by one of their meetings at this time. They're meeting on Monday nights, and uh, at the Woodsman of the World building in Winchester, Virginia, and you would be blessed to go by and be in one of their meetings. And it's good to have you on the program again with me today, Jeremy. Good to be here. Uh, for the last several weeks, we've been running some uh, preaching footage. Actually, for the last several months, we've been reach, uh, running some preaching footage uh, where I was preaching in Princeton, West Virginia, and uh, we were talking about the third chapter of Matthew. We're going to springboard off of that and have some conversation today. Uh, I believe I believe one of the most uh, forgotten subjects in the church world is the most probably uh, preached message that Jesus preached on anything was on the gospel of the kingdom. What happens a lot of times when I say the kingdom of God is one of the, the most, or, or the, probably one of the most neglected subjects, I think, in the word of God. And when you say things like the gospel of the kingdom or the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, most people think you're talking about either the millennial reign or you're talking about uh, when you go to heaven. But really, Jesus was not talking talking about uh, simply going to heaven. That's part of the package. What he was talking about was bringing heaven to earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. It was about God setting his reign up on the earth. The gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John was really about how God became king in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And so the gospel of the kingdom was being preached and we must remember always, and I've shared this so much, and it's such an emphasis for me. We must, first of all, anytime we ever read Scripture, uh, begin to really focus on the audience relevance. The gospel of the kingdom was being offered, first of all, to a first century Jewish nation. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are primarily focused toward the Jewish nation. God is offering them the kingdom. Uh, of course, you know, as this story goes on, and we, we will probably at some point film a lot on the parables of the kingdom. But those parables are aimed at uh, a, a people that were about to lose the kingdom. It was about to be taken from them and given to a nation producing the fruit. And so uh, it was about a change or form of government. Uh, it was moving from a law-based old covenant paradigm uh, where it was governed by rules on rocks. And John the Baptist came on the scene in Matthew 3. His primary message is this. He says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, it is within your grasp. It's within your reach, not 
2,000 years out in your future. It was within the reach. If I said, put your hand out, your hand is right here. It was in the reach of that first century people. And uh, one of the things that he was saying to them is, if you repent, Greek word is metanoia. If you saw the last several months worth of programs, I've been dealing with it. If you change the way you think, you can access the kingdom. In other words, what he was saying is a new form of government is coming on the scene. I believe one of the problems I've noticed and I, let me say this clearly, I am clearly, I make no uh, uh, apologies for it, I'm a grace preacher, a new covenant preacher, but I believe that one of the things that's a missing link in the grace camp and in the new covenant camp is that if we preach freedom from law, but we don't preach the government that replaced us, the government of the kingdom, you're going to have people that are lawless. And under the old covenant, uh, they were governed by rules on rocks. In the new covenant, John the Baptist is declaring, uh, he, there's one coming after me who's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So that the Holy Spirit is to the new covenant what the law was to the old covenant. Fifty days after they came out of Egypt, there at the foot of Mount Sinai, God gave them the law. 3,000 people dropped dead. Yeah. Fifty days after Jesus, the true Lamb of God, is slain, they are in an upper room and God gives them the Holy Spirit, and 3,000 are added to the church. So uh, under the old covenant, the letter kills. In the new covenant, the Spirit gives life. But what I'm simply putting an emphasis on is that the Holy Spirit says not just when we repent, it's not just what we turn from, but what we turn toward. Mm -hmm. uh, because if we don't turn toward the Lord, I think what's happening is we're preaching freedom from law, and people are getting free from mm -hmm. law, but they're wrecking their lives. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of casualties to that. Uh, without replacing that with another form of government, the Holy Spirit, God provides for us the Holy Spirit now. And I say this everywhere I go, if the Holy Spirit can't make you behave, all the church sheriffs you want to hire won't do it. But I believe there's a new form of government. I believe what people are turning from is they're turning from an old covenant paradigm of being governed by uh, law and rules and regulations, and they're flowing into a relationship, and they're learning how to be governed by the Holy Spirit for they that are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. And I don't, I won't, I, I don't think I'm going to read the text today out of Matthew 3. You can read it when you get a chance, but uh, it's good to have you on the program, Jeremy. I'm sure you could jump in somewhere with that because we, you know, uh, we, we talk a lot, we teach a lot about the kingdom. So go ahead and talk a little bit here. Jump in. Well, you know, it's like you said with the, uh, you know, people that are leaving uh, the, <clears throat> the boundaries of legalism mm -hmm. and coming into the freedom of what we call grace. Uh, but the one thing I think that, like you were just mentioning, we are really neglecting is that there should be a, we should be instilling in people the trust of the Holy Spirit that's in them. Uh, nothing will change you uh, like the Holy Spirit. That's will. right. And one of the things I think that we have done is because when we were in legalism, there was a, there was a, a good move of the Holy Spirit in a lot of legalistic churches. Yes. And what I think happens with some people is sometimes they associate that that move of the Holy Spirit with that legalism. There's almost become this disassociation or mm -hmm. the distrust for the Holy Spirit, or it was so sensationalized that sometimes we're we're weary to want to stay away from the sensationalism of of the move of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. But like you were saying, the Holy Spirit really is what replaced the law. That is the kingdom that begins to operate and manifest, or, or the government of the kingdom that begins to operate in our lives. And what we really need to be doing as ministers of the new covenant is begin to uh, 
uh, teach people what the true Holy Spirit is, how it operates. I, I, I had a, a, a conversation with a young man uh, just a couple days ago who's a, uh, what they call an American missionary. Mm -hmm. uh, and he, was, he said, you know, I've had a lot of questions here lately from, uh, he, he works on college campuses and things, and he said, you know, I've had a lot of questions about people really wanting to know what the Holy Spirit is and, and how, how a move of the Holy Spirit works. And so we were just talking and, and, and conversating about what, you know, the purpose really of the Holy Spirit is. And so one of the things I began to say, though, too, is that uh, I think it's John, I think it's John the 13th or 16th chapter somewhere when it talks about, uh, John says, you know, the, the Holy Spirit comes to convince and convict us first of our sin then of righteousness, and then of judgment. Uh, so you know, one of the things the Holy Spirit does, is begun, it begin, it's there to convince us of some things. First off, it came when we were convinced that we were sinners and that we needed Jesus in our life, and we asked Jesus in our life. Well, that was the work of the Holy Spirit. He yeah. came and he convinced us that we needed to invite Christ into our lives. And so, you know, when I was a young man, I asked the Lord into my heart. Uh, but the next thing the Holy Spirit begins to do is begin to convince us of our righteousness. That's it. And so, you know, when people, when we look and we see people that are becoming lawless because of the teaching of grace, the, that says to me that there, there's a, a missing operation of the Holy Spirit because they're not being convinced of righteousness. Mm -hmm. You know, you hear a lot of people that are, they're kind of against grace, you know, they'll talk about, well, you know, those people want to throw away the Ten Commandments, you know, they want to throw away uh, the things that you're supposed to be doing, you know, and, and, and the thing is, is that, you know, even as, I've been a Christian my whole life, and there was times where I was legalistic in my ways of thinking, and even in the ways I lived for God, because I had a heart and passion for God. I did that, I lived legalistic because I really had a heart for God. That's what we God. thought He wanted us to do. That's what we thought He wanted us to do. But the thing was, is that trying to live by those laws, uh, it, it, what it did after a while was wear you out because no matter what, there was always some kind of failure in your life trying to do it in your own effort. Mm -hmm. uh, because the whole, con the whole thing I was convinced about in living in legalism was that I was just a sinner. Mm -hmm. You know, even you know, one of the things we always, people always say in legalism is that, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. But the truth of the matter is I was a sinner, and I know we've said this many times on the program, I was a sinner, I was saved by grace, but now I've become the righteousness of, of, mm -hmm. of God in Christ. And so, but in order for me to really live like that, I have to become a believer. Mm -hmm. And in order to become a believer, the Holy Spirit has to begin to work in my life to convince me of that righteousness, of that identity in Christ, that just as He was made to be sin, so that I might be made the righteousness of Christ. When I become a believer, you know, we talk, people talk all the time about being believers. Well, the thing we have to become the believer in is that our identity in Christ, that uh, the scripture would say that you are a new creation in Christ. Uh, there's a lot of things about being in Christ. And that's another, you know, when you, when you talk even about the Holy Spirit, that's another thing the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit is a teacher. He comes to teach us. He comes to lead and guide us into all truth. The truth that we're being led and guided in is that our identity in Christ and the things that we are in Christ. So, uh, you know, where sometimes we have neglected the Holy Spirit, really in the New Covenant and even in grace, it should be the most important uh, element 
uh, of, of learning our, who we are, mm -hmm. uh, because it begins to teach us, it begins to convince us of our righteousness, it begins to convince us of our place in Christ and what that means in the kingdom. Uh, it shows us how to live in the kingdom and what the kingdom is. I tell people all the time, you know, the kingdom is more than just, you know, I'm going to get a new car or, you know, I'm going to be blessed and all these things. The kingdom really is the, the, the peace, the righteousness, the peace, the joy that comes in life. You know, I, I, I've, you know I've, I've gotten a new car before. And while that was fun, after a while, the payments come and the car gets old. And so that's not really the joy of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. It was just a joy for the moment. And I'm not, you know, hey, to get a new car, have nice things, those are nice things. But that's really not the kingdom. The kingdom is what uh, is operating inside your life that brings you, first off again, to an identity of your righteousness. Because that's what's going to cause you to live righteously, is to believe that that's, that's what right. you are, being convinced of that. The, the joy that comes from the kingdom is that regardless of what position I am in life, you know, rather I'm, I'm driving a new car or it's a car that's several years old, I still have a joy because I know I'm still blessed even though it's not a brand new car anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, it's, it's just there's a settling in your heart because you know your identity that you're a blessed child of God regardless of stuff. It's, it's, it's a nature of joy. Mm -hmm. And then the peace that's brought in life that, you know, I know a lot of people, even as Christians, you know, what you see, um, you see a lot of parents sometimes, or even grandparents, where sometimes their, their children have walked away from the Lord. And one of the things they're always worried about is, well, you know, something happens to them, you know. Uh, I don't know if they're a believer, and they're worried, you know, well, what if Jesus comes back, and are they going to, you know, are they going to make it, or, or whatever. But the, the conviction of the Holy Spirit brings a peace in our life that we trust that the seed that's planted in them is a good seed. It's an incorruptible seed that's able to bring them back to the place of their identity, too, and begin to awaken them from the slumber of, you know, maybe what we call sin to an awakening of their like righteousness. The righteousness and sin no more. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and I think that if we begin to, you know, because I, I, I love, you know, for me, I love the sensationalism of I love the sensationalism, the excitement of yeah. the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I love to see miracles. I yeah. love to see yeah. people getting filled with the Holy Ghost. I love the sensational part. Yeah. But I also love the times when the Holy Spirit is just very, very subtle, and He just moves into a place and does things without uh, having to uh, it being sensational. I, I know I, we were, I, I, just put, I told you the story. Um, the other night we were in our church, and uh, we were just, you know, it was a, We've got cheesecake and some coffee, and we're just kind of sitting around, and we're just we're just having some fellowship in our church. And uh, uh, my brother began to do some worship, and so we just we were singing some songs. And my daughter came, and my daughter loves to go to church because she loves to dance. Mm -hmm. And so she's two years old, two and a half years old, and so she just you know she goes to church. She loves to dance. When it comes down to preaching, she's not you know that's not as fun to her. She'd rather be on her iPad or coloring or something. Uh, but that night, I just after my brother we got done worshiping, I just really felt, you know, instead of preaching, which is a hard thing for me not to preach because I love to talk mm -hmm. about Jesus, uh, but uh, instead of preaching, I just felt that we just needed to pray. So I just asked our church, you know, just to hold hands, and we just began to pray uh, for some different things. I told our people, you know, if there's something on your heart you want to pray for, just, you know, just, just begin to pray, and we'll just pray. And so we began to, we just, we just had a time of, of prayer in our church, and it was just a sweet presence of the Lord, nothing spectacular, you know, nothing, uh, you know, sensational happened. It was just a time we just began to pray. And uh, you could just feel the presence of the Lord. But then after we were done praying, I just felt like it, you know, we, it's, 
we, that was all the Lord wanted to do that night. So we dismissed. We all went home. On the way home, my, we had like a 45-minute drive from our church to our house. My daughter falls asleep in the car which is a rarity for her. She really don't ever fall asleep on the way. Uh, but we get home, and we wake her up to come in the house. When we wake her up and, and to walk in from the garage to the house, uh, she, she gets up, and she begins to walk in from the garage with her hands raised, going, holy, 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 holy. And she began to walk into the, through the living room. She's just walking around the living room, holy, 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 holy. And, uh, you know, so I, me and my wife, we kind of look at each other because we're trying to think, we, you know, we, none of this really happened at church. Nobody was doing that. So it's kind of jokingly, but kind of serious in the same way. I asked her, I said, Aspen, did you, get the Holy, did you get the Holy Ghost tonight? And she looked at me and she just began to wave her hands some more and going, holy, holy, holy. I mean, she was saying that the whole time she took her shoes off, the whole time we're getting her ready for bed. Till we get in, till we got her in bed, and she, you know, like she's still saying holy, holy as she's going to sleep. And so, uh, you know, I looked at that, and for the moment, I, I kind of was, you know, I didn't kind of know how, what was happening a little bit, but there was just something in my spirit to begin to say there's something she received uh, just by the, 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 the subtle presence of the Holy Spirit yeah. without any kind of you know, hype, hype or yeah. sensationalism. It was just a two-year-old responded to the presence of the Lord and that she recognized that the presence of the Lord was holy. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes I think that we just, we sometimes think, well, if God didn't show up and do something extraordinary, then God, you know, we didn't have a move of God yeah. in our church. Yeah. But sometimes we don't know what happens when people go home. Yeah. It's you the know, deep dealing of it's God. It's the deep that dealing of God that changes yeah. them. And and that, you know, sometimes even like I said, for me, I look at that and say, if a two-year-old can experience the presence of God and something happen in them, then it, without any kind of hype, without anybody telling them this is how it has to be, yeah. we're just simply talking about the goodness of Jesus. And we're talking about the kingdom. In our church, that's what we do. We talk about our, our identity in Christ. Mm -hmm. And we talk about how the kingdom is available to us right now. And that's available from the youngest to the oldest. And that there's not God. God doesn't separate anything. There's no little Holy Ghost, no big Holy Ghost. That's we right. say that all the time. And that when you begin to teach people the what the true purpose of the Holy Spirit is, there's a deeper encounter than just, well, I spoke in tongues. Because mm -hmm. one of the questions people ask sometimes, too, is that, well, if I don't speak in tongues, does that mean I don't have the Holy Spirit? And if there was a conviction in your heart that you were a sinner to know that you need to respond to the presence of the God, well, that was the Holy Spirit working you. Whether or not you spoke in tongues or not, the Holy Spirit came in. The, the speaking tongues was just the evidence. And now what begins to take place in your life to begin to uh, cause you to live in the kingdom and to begin to live righteous, mm -hmm. that's what the Holy Spirit is really there for, even more than speaking in tongues. I love speaking in tongues. Yeah. But there's a deeper uh, presence yeah. and a deeper working of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and, and, I, and, I, and I think, again, is that's the point is that the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy. It's located in the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Ghost is the governor yep. in the new covenant. You know, when Jesus, John 14, he said, I won't leave you comfortless. Uh, another translation says, I won't leave you orphans. I will come to you. I and my Father, we will come and we will take up our abode. And he talks about the Holy Spirit coming. When he comes, he'll be the Spirit of truth. He'll lead you and guide you into all truth. And then Romans 8 says, they that are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. The contrast there is 
sonship is new covenant. Mm-hmm. Slaves and servants are old covenant. But what when he's saying that those that are led by the Spirit are sons of God, that's not spooky and weird, and mm-hmm. we, we make it all spooky and weird, but it's learning how to live out of the inward dwelling Holy Spirit. That I want to stay on this just a moment even about this conviction of righteousness. Because I think that's something that really needs to be revisited again in, in a lot of our grace circles is because the conviction of righteousness. In other words, if I'm really convicted that I'm righteous, I'm going to live like I'm righteous. Yep. Uh, because what we really believe is what we act on. So I think what most people have heard is part of the message, mm-hmm. and they're not gripping the whole thing. Even I like how the fifth chapter of Romans says it in the Message Bible. It says it like this. It said, here it is in a nutshell. One man did it wrong and got us in all this trouble with sin and death, and another man did it right and got us out of it. Now, most people are just happy that they're not in trouble anymore because that's part of the message. But the next part of it says, but more than just get us out of trouble, he got us into a life, a life that goes on and on and on. So I'm glad we're not in trouble anymore. I'm glad God's not angry. I'm glad we're not up under law. We're not under the wrath of God. Uh, You know, Romans 5 said we've been saved from wrath, that we're not under the wrath of God. But uh, at the same time, I I don't just want to be... Uh, I don't just want to say I'm not in trouble anymore. I want I want people to experience this abundant, incredible, abundant life living in the kingdom right now as a citizen yeah. of the kingdom. So when the Holy Spirit comes, see, I think a lot of times when people get free from law, uh, that that you know they're they're really not free yet. They're saying I'm free, I'm free, and so they go out and they almost try to prove they're free. Mm-hmm. And some people are so in your face with it, it's almost like more. Uh, peer pressure to prove you're free than it was when you was in the world. Yep. That to me is wrong because you're still not free. What you're doing is you're still under law. You say, well, how can you be under law? Because the scripture says when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. What happens is, is that people are not free yet. They're just rebelling against the law. Yep. And so they come out from underneath of law and legalism and it's almost as if, you know, with this whole idea of a gospel revolution, there's almost a rebellion's got in it yep. to say, let me, let me in your face, you know, you can't, you know, I'm free, I'm free, and I'm Facebook free, you know, and that's where you, if you do it, you know, first of all, don't post it on Facebook, and uh, because it's really a real turnoff to people who would be interested in the grace message, because that's not really grace yet. Grace of God, the scripture said, teaches us to deny ungodliness, real grace. So we, what we do is we trade one set of bondage of legalism for the bondage of substance abuse or something else. So people swing from one extreme to the other. But I believe God's bringing it back to a balance. And the conviction of righteousness is exactly what produces that. Let, let me say this, because I just come across this. I've shared a lot of this before, but these pieces I, I hadn't seen before. When the children of Israel left Egypt, they were delivered by the blood of a spotless lamb. And exactly when they came out, then they were delivered by through the Red Sea. So they're blood-bought. They were delivered by the blood in Egypt. Then they're delivered through the water at the Red Sea. So that's blood-bought water baptism. And they come across the Red Sea. They're in the wilderness of Shur. They're in the wilderness of sin. It's not an accident, folks, that the first stop that these people make after living 400 years or better in bondage of slavery... And I could, uh, if I had more time, I'd show you how Egypt is not just a type of the world, it's a type of religious bondage. 
uh, it's a type of slavery and servitude to a system. For one thing, Revelation 11 verse 8 said, their bodies, their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the city, which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Our Lord was not crucified in Sodom or Egypt. He was crucified in Jerusalem, the Mecca or the centerpiece of religion. And what he was doing was identifying that place and that religious system with the bondage of Egypt. So uh, deliverance from Egypt is not just deliverance from the world, it's deliverance from the bondage of slavery of religion. Mm-hmm. But when they came out, they came to the wilderness of Shur. And uh, they, uh, the water was, became bitter. In other words, if you sin, God is not going to leave you. He'll never leave you. Uh, but the water gets bitter. In other words, stuff begins to happen in your life. You say, well, God didn't leave me. Yeah, but your wife did. You know, now you've got two house payments and, you know, now your health is shot. Now you're, you know, in legal problems. You know, on and on it goes. So there are repercussions to, you know, proving your freedom. So they stopped in the wilderness of sure, the wilderness of sin, till the water became bitter. But what I did not know, and I preached uh, a bunch of times, is that the elements that were in this water was causing them to have two things. Number one, it was causing them to have diarrhea. And you say, well, what is, uh, what, what's significant about that? Because God was cleaning them out from the Egyptian diet they'd been on for 400 years. And I believe the reason we see a lot of, I don't know the word to use on television, uh, but a lot of the uh, byproducts of our flesh, a lot of the stink, is that God is cleansing us of hundreds and hundreds of years of bondage. So even when I think about Paul, he said, uh, you know, I'm a Pharisee of the Pharisees, circumcised the eight-day stock of Israel, uh, touching the law, I was blameless. He said, but I count all of that as dung that I might win Christ. So he called, called all that religious bondage dung. But it's not just the dung of religion. It's the dung of sin. It's the dung. It's, it, God was cleaning these people out, and they're murmuring, and I get it. But they, he was cleaning them out of all of their Egyptian diet. And they begin to murmur and complain. And then the second thing that this water did, the elements that were in it, I think it was magnesium. I, I wrote down somewhere the elements that was in it. But it also kept them, this stuff, kept their legs and stuff and their muscles from cramping on a long walk or a long journey. So while they're complaining, it was God's provision to, number one, get the, the dung out of their lives and to keep them from cramping for the long haul. And so it was really a process that God was doing, and I believe that's where we've been in the grace message, is God's trying to get the junk out of it. And He's trying to sustain us for the long haul. And uh, and then the next thing that God told Moses to do is He said, now the Lord showed Moses a tree. And we're starting to run out of time, so I'm just going to begin to share this a little bit. But when the Lord showed Moses a tree, to me that powerfully pictures the cross. When we put the cross, we, when we preach the cross, not, not that you're constantly dying on it, but that His death was your death. In other words, we need to bring people back to a steady diet. And I, I'm, I'm concerned right now because there's a lot of mess in this message that really wants to circumvent the power of the cross. It wants to water down yep. what Jesus did. And it's, it, to me, it's, it's again creeping into a lot of the grace message. And it's watering down and diluting the effectiveness of the strength of the Lamb. And when God told him to come out of Egypt, he said, don't sodden it all with water. Don't water down the Lamb. And when you start preaching Jesus didn't do this and he didn't do that, uh, and, and you're starting to get, negate even the purpose or even 
some, you know, denying the Lord that bought them. That's dangerous territory to me. Yep. But when the Lord showed Moses a tree, when you put a tree in the water, you put the cross back in, you show them his death was your death, and the Holy Spirit convicts them, listen, I'm a new creature. Yep. This is what happened to who I used to be. Yep. And Adam, and now I'm in Christ. And you put that tree in the water, and what happened was, is those people uh, then begin to leave the wilderness of sin. They left the wilderness of Shur, and they come to Rephidim, which means rest. The only real rest is when we trust the Holy Spirit to do the work to convict us of righteousness, uh, to convict us of judgment, to convict unbelievers of sin because they believe not. But then the Holy Spirit does the work to transform us from the inside out. We're running out of time, uh, but join us again next week. Let me just say, uh, take a moment to call that number on the screen or go to our website. We do need your help to support the gospel of grace. Uh, we are on three different networks, and it costs a lot to do that. And your partnership is what enables us to do that. As you know, we don't spend a lot of time trying to raise money, but we do need your help. Uh, if you've been sitting on the sideline, let me just say, get involved. Call that number on the screen, so it's seen into the ministry, and I believe you'll be a part of something that's helped protect the gospel around the world. Tune in again next week. God bless you. The word repentance means to change your mind. The message of John the Baptist and of Jesus was to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is accessed by a change in our thinking. If you are in outer darkness, there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. That reality is not always out in the distant future. It is in people's lives right now. One simple mind shift can move you out of darkness and weeping and into light and rejoicing. God wants to wipe all tears from our eyes and replace our weeping with joy.